Somebody say to me this week, you know, we should, well, I know the youth group, they're going to they're gonna not let the kids use the Bibles on their phones because you know what happens when we use our Bible on our phone, right? You know, that ESPN notification comes in or that kid text messages during church or whatever, and then immediately you're distracted. So I think that's a great idea. Uh, we're going to start checking your phones in. At, no, I'm just kidding. If you're like me, you get easily distracted, you know, squirrel, and uh, my phone is the perfect way to do that. So just, a, just an encouragement, you know, out there to, to maybe grab a, a physical Bible in the seats and, uh, and hang with us. You know, it seems that our world today is really lacking in the area of, of leadership, you know, of course, we can be super critical, and, and it's easy to nitpick and, and all of that. I don't know, I don't want us to do that, but, but strong, admiral leadership that exhibits both integrity of heart and skillfulness of hand is, we're in wanting for it. Uh, I read in, in more than one resource this week that, that this need for leadership has actually been recognized and noticed since the 50s. And, and I wonder, I've, I've been thinking about that, why? Why since the 50s? And I wonder if maybe after World War II, every generation post-World War II has just been a little more selfish, a little more selfish, a little more selfish, and here we are today, and we're only thinking about ourselves and not other people, and why would we want to lead? Why would we want to sacrifice? Why would we want to do something that somebody else is calling us to when we could just seek after whatever it is that we want? And I think that's possibly one of the reasons why leadership uh, is, is lacking in our nation, in our homes, in our, in our cities, in our towns. Now, this does not, of course, uh, we, we do not, of course, lack resources for for leadership, go to a, a self-help section at Barnes and Noble, and I'm sure there is a big, big section uh, titled "Leadership" or "or Leaders." Be a leader. There's pamphlets and books and all of that. I've got I've got lots of them on my shelves. I took a seminary class on leadership. These products promise new techniques and fresh ideas, practical principles that will help us become more effective and more successful leaders. Why is it that there is this huge effort towards leadership? Well, if you think about your life, uh, anything actually, leadership is an essential uh, part of the success of any organization, any of them. Um, and I mean any, the United States of America, in order for us to be successful as a nation, we need strong leaders with integrity and, and skill in leadership. The Denver Broncos, the Colorado Rockies, the Colorado Avalanche, they all need good leaders if they're going to be successful as a team. They need good people in the front office, sort of laying out the mission of, of their organization. They need incredible coaches uh, on the field. They need sacrificial leadership. They need, they need players who are willing to sacrifice for the good of the team out on the, the field or the court or wherever, the ice, wherever it is that they're playing. I mean, those are often the heads that roll when a team doesn't win, right? The coaches, that's kind of where, the, that's kind of where it falls. The Huskers, they're struggling. Who's going to take the fall? Yeah. 
Oh, Garrett. <laughs> they won yesterday, but not without having mistakes. And of course, you know, uh, my team, the Wyoming Cowboys, they were blowing out the other team and then for whatever, dis- whatever reason decided to make it a game. Ugh. I did not hear that and I don't want to hear what you said. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, uh, Every organization, Walmart, Amazon, Caribou Coffee, large companies that are out there, they need leadership they can trust and count on to do what's best for the company. Now, usually with them, the CEOs and the CEOs, it's all about the bottom line. You know, if, if the company's making money, then they think they have good leadership in place. But, but they need strong, smart leadership with integrity. An army needs what? Good leaders out there making decisions for for their troops. A church needs strong and wise leaders. And I'm not simply talking about the elders or the trustees. The church needs leaders who have integrity and grit at every level. Every level of ministry. We need leaders like that. And finally, last but certainly not least, the family needs leaders. Our families need leaders. Our families need husbands who are committed to Jesus and leading their family spiritually, providing and protecting, and wives who partner with them in those endeavors. Leaders working together, unified, growing together. Sharing life and leading their families as a team. Schools, sports teams, businesses, volunteer organizations, police forces, fire stations, ambulance services, hospitals, men and women who are self-employed all need leaders. Some listening today might say that, that you're not leadership material. Well, I'm not a good leader. And when the situation arise, uh, arises for you to, to lead in a certain situation, you do your best to fade back into the wallpaper on the wall so that they don't notice you. We will all find times in our lives, probably on a weekly or even daily basis, where we need to lead. And as Paul continues his letter to the Thessalonians, he covers this idea of leadership. And, and what makes a person a good leader isn't simply what they are able to do, but it is also very much who they are. Who you are and how you relate to others. The great American entrepreneur, entrepreneur John D. Rockefeller, stated this. He said, I will pay more for the ability to deal with people than any other ability under the sun. A survey was given to 200 business managers and it revealed that the most important single skill of an executive is the ability to get along with people. More than intelligence, decisiveness, knowledge, or even job skills, according to this survey, relationships were more important to good leadership than temperament, technique, or even intelligence. And as leaders in our community and our homes, as parents and bosses and employees, as students and teammates, we all need to realize that we are leaders. We are leaders, and Paul illustrates leadership that works. 
in this second chapter of his letter. Let's read the first six verses of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the hope, with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use, used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. So Paul here, in the first few verses of his second chapter, he's responding to these attacks that we talked about last week. Opposition to them even being there. People that were saying that, that they're lying, that they have ulterior motives, that, that um, you know, Jesus has already come and gone, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, not that we're waiting for him to come again, his second coming. His opponents we're saying that Paul and, and Timothy and Silas were only in Thessaloniki because they were greedy. They were, they were after something. It was, just, it was just selfishness. And in fact, they had no great mission. They had no great plan. And Paul wanted the Thessalonians to know that their trip wasn't in fact in vain. If you have the NIV translation, it translates that saying without results. Now, the Greek word means something that's empty or lacking purpose or, or earnestness. And Paul's visit had purpose and meaning. That's what he's saying. We came to you with a mission. The, the, uh, God's power, God's choosing gave them that mission and that hope. The movement of the Holy Spirit in the people's lives, as we saw last week, all of these people chosen by God, surrendering their life to him, believing in the name of Jesus Christ. That wasn't because of anything that Paul did. It was the movement of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Now, that doesn't happen if it's a selfish adventure on Paul's part. They also came to Thessaloniki beat up. I mean, they were poorly treated in Philippi. As Roman citizens, they were terribly treated. In fact, they could have sued the government because of, of what they did. But they weren't discouraged by that. They continued on their mission, their mission in God. Paul didn't just say things like Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He didn't just say those things. He lived them. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, but he, Jesus, said to me, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Man, what opportunities do we have today to live like Paul? Feeling weak? Good. That's exactly where God wants you. 
Paul says that, 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 that Jesus' grace is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I need to, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. You see, Paul's not about, I'm a great speaker, I'm this, I'm that. Paul's like, I'm a broken man and I get discouraged and I struggle in my relationship with, to, to, to believe in Jesus Christ, and, but I continue on. And I delight in those weaknesses and insults and hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. That's, that's almost the opposite of how we want to live in this country. We avoid those things. Now, in the first six verses here, we observe some things that, that we don't want to have in our lives as a leader. Okay, so, so when, when I'm talking about this, you need to hear your name because we are all leaders. This, this isn't for somebody else that's sitting in the, in the building. This is for you, all of us. So first of all, good leaders are not deceptive. They're not deceptive. For Verse three, for the appeal we make, Paul says, does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. Paul was no charlatan. He was not about snake oil and magic tricks. He wasn't out to wow the crowd with his amazing oratory abilities. He wasn't wheeling and dealing with the wink of an eye to try and convince somebody to believe something. He didn't have his heart set on a private jet or a mansion in the Poconos. So he took up an offering after every, every miracle that he did. No, Paul, Paul spoke to the people with integrity and with sincerity. Paul had a simple heart and a pure mind. You know, sometimes people want to talk bad about people that are simple-hearted and simple-minded, but... Really, that's a good place to be, I think. Paul had no hidden agenda or moves of manipulation. He was there on a mission from God. Spiritual leadership that works is not deceptive. Good spiritual leaders are also not people pleasers. Oh man, I want to be like I want to be liked like the next guy, don't you? I want to be accepted. I want to be a part of the crowd. I don't like feeling alone or cast out. And, and Satan could get us there. And, and a lot of adults would like to think that that only affects children and young kids. That's not true. Uh, we all want to be a part of the group. We, we all don't necessarily want to make waves, but go with the flow. And, and, and if we're trying to please people, it is exhausting when we take that to the extreme. I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to get along with people. I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to do our job well. We should. But if, if uh, look at verse four. Paul says, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. So, so as we're trying to please God and not people, we need to trust him and surrender our hearts to him so that he can test them. And that will help us stay in line where, where we need to be. Paul is teaching God's word. He is teaching the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And that message 
That message doesn't change in order uh, to, to make people feel better about themselves. That message doesn't change in, in order to help people justify their actions. The message is what the message is. And we're going to see in a few weeks that sometimes that message is hard to hear. Pleasing God is mission number one. God is testing their hearts. They're submitting to him. This is how we too must lead and live. Yes, we want to get along with people, but in attempting that, we must not compromise the truth. I know I've said this before. Uh, it's been a long time since this quote was made, but there's a lot of people here who haven't heard it. There was, uh, there was a leader in the Northwest region of a main denomination in our nation who when asked about, uh, and it was the issue of homosexuality, and, and this denomination has, has conceded that somehow it's, that, that, God is, that God's okay with that. But, but the way that they got there, and, and the quote from this person said, we value relationships over the word of God. You see, when we, when we concede to that, it's whatever we want it to say. And that's what's happening. As, as authentically and with as much integrity as we can, we've got to search the pages of, the, of this word that God has given us to know what he wants from us, to know what is, was wrong in his eyes, and to know what is good. You see, there's nothing in here that doesn't value relationships but it is very specific on what those relationships look like. And that's where we begin to follow our own justification instead of God's. In Galatians chapter one, verse 10, Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Oh, but I don't wanna hurt their feelings. Or am I trying to please people? Paul says, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul wasn't the type to tickle people's ears with what they wanted to hear. He stayed true to Jesus Christ and what the Holy Spirit moved him to teach and write, and he encouraged others to do so. That's what good leadership does. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, and then later in the chapter, verses 20 and 21, Paul writes this to Timothy, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, and evil suspicions. Verse 20, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the, from the faith. Grace be with you all. You see, spiritual leadership that works is not deceptive. It, it does not seek to people please. And in verse five, we see another attribute that it's not. You know we never used flattery, Paul says, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. Spiritual leadership that works is not, it's not greedy. And, you know, greed isn't just the desire to have more. 
It's the desire to have more and more and more and more and more. Following greed leads us to a place where it becomes the root of envy, jealousy, and covetousness, and, and desiring to have what belongs to others. And it, just, and it isn't just about possessions and money either. It could be glory or accomplishments or power or influence or fame. More and more and more. But with self-control, greed can be kept under control and unmasked. The Holy Spirit helps us with this. Paul, Silas, Timothy didn't preach to the Thessalonians because they wanted more of something. They preached to the Thessalonians because, out of love for God and for others. We'll see that in what good spiritual leadership is. It's not deceptive. It doesn't seek to, people, to please people. It's not greedy. And number four, it does not act in an authoritarian manner. Verse six, we were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. We could have laid the hammer down. God has made us apostles. Paul had a huge level of authority. <laughs> Paul's the kind of guy that I wished I'd had during seminary. There were, there were times in class the, the professor would be teaching and I'm like, so, you know, they're saying, well, this could be saying this or this could be saying this. And, and my question was always, so which one is it? Don't leave it up to me. I want to know what the truth is and then I'll believe that. I'll follow that. Sometimes it felt like I was just throwing a dart at a dartboard and whichever thing that it landed on, that's what fit into my system of theology, which is why we have to be cautious as we try and understand what God's word says. There are things that are absolutely clear, black and white, and there are some of those gray areas where, where we need to discuss and we need to use other black and white things to interpret things that are maybe a little bit on the edge. But Paul and Silas, they were not... They weren't looking for approval. They were on a mission from God. They were leading others into the way, proclaiming in the power of the Holy Spirit the saving name of Jesus Christ. Paul's work in Thessaloniki shows us how we should lead in our circles of influence today. Loving and caring for others in Christ bearing genuine witness to the good news of the gospel, not by coercion with deception or flattery or greed or arrogance. Instead, we should lead in the opposite ways of those negative things. And then in the next six verses, Paul lays out positive attributes that good leaders have. Actions that God empowers us as disciples of Christ to do and characteristics that we are. Verse seven, instead, Paul says, we weren't these things, instead we were these things. We were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. 
encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Good spiritual leaders are, first of all, sensitive to needs. Paul and company weren't trying to force anything on anyone. In fact, Paul says that we were, we were coming to you in a gentle way. They, they tenderly cradled these new believers, these new young believers, like a mother cradles her newborn. They started them out in their new relationship with Jesus by nourishing them, by encouraging them, by teaching them. Mothers are in a constant state of giving of themselves to their children. And when they are infants, these children are there, sometimes literally give parts of themselves as they nurse their little ones. Paul was selflessly committed to understanding their hopes and fears. And we as leaders in our community, in our families, we need to have that sensitivity to the needs around us. This led Paul to the second characteristic of a good spiritual leader, and that is caring of others. So we cared for you, he says at the end of verse 8. As we are leading others, no matter what the circumstances are, we must care for people as Paul cared for the Thessalonians. He he loved them with a strong brotherly love, and they were close to him. he goes on to say that you knew these things about us. He was sharing, they were sharing their lives with them. Too often in our world, great leaders are inaccessible to us common folk. We couldn't hope to have some sort of conversation with a great leader because they don't have time for us. It, it, let's not make people in our own lives feel that way, that we don't have time for them that we don't care enough about them to really listen to them. Paul, Paul didn't maintain some kind of safe distance from people. He didn't show up to the synagogue and preach and then, and then leave and let other people do the discipling. Paul, Paul was there as long as he could be there. He taught them, he led them, he shared, he prayed with them. Paul was sensitive to their needs. He cared for them physically and spiritually, and he was also transparent and authentic. This is so important in our world today. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul not only shared the truths of the gospel, and that's message number one, and it's available power to, to their lives, but he also shared what it was like in his own life, the struggles that he had. We're, we're given that in scripture. You know, if he wanted to be this man on a pedestal, he wouldn't have said any of those things. He would have said, this is how great I am, you need to be like me. Now, he did say that. In a humble way, he said, emulate me, copy us, follow us, do what we do. But he also shared his toils and his hardships. And he shared everyday life with him. I heard a pastor once say that he was told to never be completely transparent with people about your struggles and your failures. And I'm like, what? I don't want to be that guy, whoever that is. 
Because if you already know that I'm a failure, it'll be less disappointing when I fail you. <laughs> and, and I'm going to talk about the, the, the level of the bar in a second, but it, it's, it's, not, it, it's, it's about living an authentic and transparent life, walking the, the journey road with my Savior, and, and look, we've had confession Sunday mornings before, right? Pizza Hut, Walmart. Um, I'm sorry if you don't know those stories, but, but times in my life where I'm, I'm less than proud of those things, but times in my life where I fail, where I can let you see that I certainly am not perfect. You're not perfect, absolutely not. We, but, but we all need to struggle through this and we all need to grow. We need to repent when we screw up. We need to ask God to forgive us, and he does. But we need to live transparent and authentic lives. That's a characteristic of a good spiritual leader. And then, and then finally, Paul was, uh, Paul was very enthusiastic in his affirmation of others. He was constantly encouraging them. Oh, we, we thank God for you in our prayers. He starts out at the beginning and he, he continues as, he's, as he goes on through here. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Don't you just love being encouraged and, and, and comforted by others? And, and isn't it especially special when it comes from dad? You know, that's how Paul dealt with people. That's, that's how a good leader deals with people, in a personal and relational way. Encouraging and comforting those they are leading. Like, like cheering for them at a football game or being there uh, when, when, when they have a music concert even though they didn't hit all the right notes. Or, or going and watching your son or daughter um, act in a theatrical play. You know, I didn't realize it when I was younger because, you know, I'm just selfishly living my life as a teenager. Uh, but as I look back on my life, you know, it was pretty special. It meant a lot to me when my dad was there to watch whatever it was that I was doing. Uh, now, he didn't make everything. You know, he had to keep the weeds at bay in, in Laramie County and, and he worked during the day. There were those events Music mostly that, that mom was mom never missed never missed an event. I, I can't think of any. But but win, lose, or draw, dad was always encouraging me. In my walk with the Lord, in in living righteously, in in having knowledge of how to do certain things. You know, he, he trusted me far more often than he should have. Honestly. Hey, take that truck to town. Yeah, full of wheat. Frightening going down that steep hill towards Pine Bluffs with this load of wheat on this single axle grain truck, knowing I'm going to die. But Dad trusted me with that. <laughs> Dad was always encouraging. He would say things like, hang in there, work harder, trust the coach's decisions. I didn't like that one. It'll be okay. I know it's hard. 
That's what Paul is doing here, and it's an important part of being a spiritual leader. It's spiritual leadership that works in your life when you're leading your family, your children, a a husband, a wife, uh, whatever it is, Awana, whatever it is that you're participating in, we need to be encouraging. It's something that we can all do and be. So sensitivity to needs, affection for people, authenticity of life, and enthusiasm in affirmation. So what is the ultimate goal of all of these leadership traits? What was Paul trying to accomplish on behalf of the Thessalonians and so many others that he ministered to? Well, it wasn't so that they would have the largest church in Macedonia. It it wasn't so that they would have the, the biggest and grandest budget or the greatest reputation in the county. No, it was so that the Thessalonian believers would, and it's in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 12, so that they would live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. As a leader in your life, in your home, in your family, in your church, in your business, whatever organization it is, may we live lives worthy of God and may, may we... Uh, who calls us into his kingdom and glory, and may we be that beacon, that presence in our circle of influence so that others can also know who Jesus is. Paul's focus was always first on Jesus, wasn't it? Everything he wrote, everything he said, everything he did. He was a Jesus-intoxicated man. He, he was always heavily under the influence of Jesus. And second, for the benefit of those he served, that they might follow the Lord and enjoy his presence forever. That's how we must lead as well. That's how we must live. Avoiding things from deception to authoritarianism and embracing everything from sensitivity to needs to enthusiastic affirmation, strengthening those we are leading in their walk with Jesus. Now, as we close this morning, I want to give us three practical ways that we can all live lives of leadership. Okay? The first way is to develop inner security. Develop inner security. And I'm not saying here that that we all somehow create personal strength and motivation within our own lives. Those always come from Jesus. They have to. Or they're empty. Our inner security comes from being assured of the truth of the gospel. I know that God is all-powerful, and in times when I'm struggling with that, I need to remember that, and that helps me stand firm. I need to know that God chose us, uh, that that we are all adopted children, and that we have eternal life. When we rest on those truths, when we are engaged daily in our relationship with Jesus and, and we're empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit, we won't fall into the negative aspects of leadership. We will fend those off. Deceit, people-pleasing, but instead we will lead others positively, changing the circles of influence that we live in every day. You see, you are a world changer. And as you live for Jesus and as you lead in whatever place he has put you, people's lives will be changed. The second way to live a life of leadership is to commit to excellence. Every day in our world, and and this is the the bar thing, I, I see bars being lowered. They're seriously getting lowered. Educational standards, lowered. Bars of morality, lowered. 
Bars of sound biblical-based doctrine lowered. All being lowered or taken out altogether. We got to refuse to lower the bar. Even if we are alone in our pursuit of excellence, this is empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't all on our own, but, but we still have a decision to make. We still make choices. And we need to choose not to lower the bar. We need to commit to excellence. Ask God for direction this week as you seek vision for what he has for you. Take responsibility for who you are and how you live and follow God with unswerving passion. Don't let anyone sway you from your serving your God. And a third way to live a life of leadership is to maintain a deliberate faith. That, that means living it. Don't don't call out to God in prayer or turn to faith when everything else has failed. Do that first. Take that step first. Pray first. Trust your faith in Jesus Christ first. Let's give Jesus supreme control of everything in our lives from the start. Just like Paul, let's be Christ-intoxicated people. Let's depend on the power of the Holy Spirit, not our own, exercising in his power patience, self-control, restraint. Let's surrender to the Father so that he has room to act on our behalf with our hearts in focus, seeking first the kingdom of God for ourselves and those who we are all leading. Like Paul, we can live lives of spiritual leadership that works. Now, I've asked one of our elders, Rick Teeters, to come up and to close us in prayer. I, I asked him to pray a prayer of dedication over us that, that, we, that we all would be spiritual leaders. Let's all stand and Rick's gonna close us in prayer. Lord Jesus, as we think of leadership as we think, Lord, of leaders in our community, leaders in our families, leaders in our church. I pray, Lord, that you'd allow us to share our weaknesses with one another, for it's then that we find your strength. Lord, help us to love one another faithfully. Lord, help us to encourage one another faithfully. And Lord, help us to supply one another's needs. When we see needs in our community, give us the strength, Lord, to, to answer the call for those needs. We see them every day. Lord, help us to not turn our back on our church family, on our family, on our community. Lord, I, I think of, of the fear and the terror that I felt in this room 20 years ago. Lord, I think of uh, the loss of all of our first responders and the people that lost their lives. And yet... Lord, you tell us, as you told Joshua, fear not. 
Fear not. Have no fear, but be strong and courageous. Doesn't have anything to do with weakness. Lord, help us to be strong and courageous in this community, in one another's lives, and help us, Lord, to be the leaders that you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name.